This episode of Grunt Work brought to you by the Binford Crown Hammer. That's Sir Binford Crown Hammer to you. Didn't get knighted for nothing. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Grunt Work. I'm your host, Truman Caps. With me, my co-host, Landon Solano. Thank you for including my last name, unlike Tim did to Al in this episode. Well, if people know my last name, they're also going to want to know your last name, which is the inverse of Tim's logic. I believe yes. uh, I believe that we should always honor and respect our co-hosts, just <laughs> like it says in the Bible. Does it say that in the Bible? I'm, I'm almost certain, and as we have established on this show, I am quite the Bible scholar. <laughs> well, I'm glad you claim to be, because uh, I certainly am not, I and think, I need someone to substantiate all these uh, theories that I'm throwing out there. I think you should definitely keep coming to me for that, because you know you're going to get the answer you want <laughs> from the guy with uh, with so much expertise. <laughs> How are you feeling? How are you doing? How are you? Uh, good. Yeah, not too much this week. Um, yeah, yeah, no, 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 that's yeah. about it. I got nothing, really. Yeah, okay. I'm, well, you know, I'm good too. Thanks yeah. for asking. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is that how, uh, normal communication is supposed to go? You're supposed to reciprocate, uh... Uh, niceties? I don't know. I mean, I feel like we have to say something kind of upfront at the start of the podcast before we dive right into the yeah. the meat of the Home Improvement episode. Gotcha. We watched a Home Improvement episode uh, this this week, as yeah. we often do. Yeah. Uh, I, in fact, every, I think every time we've recorded a podcast, we've watched an episode of Home Improvement before. Yeah, except the one time we didn't and we pretended, but I don't think anyone's going to notice. Yeah, no, no one will No one will realize that we just made up Sir Larry yeah. and his adventures in that crate. <laughs> and yet, we can still feel... The presence of Sir Larry, even in this, the 13th episode. Sir Larry lives on inside all of us, uh, yeah. which is in the Bible. And also, I, it, it is, it is a Larry-esque episode, I think, yeah. largely because of the boys' hijinks. Yes. And there, and, and, uh, yeah, and certain magical tricks that they may have picked up from him along the way. Yeah. Even if that trick is just, uh, imprisoning a unsuspecting adult or older bully. <laughs> Uh, so what happened this week in the realm of home improvement? Yeah, all right, I'll give you a quick synopsis. Um, what is the sin in synopsis? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Uh, in this one, it would be, the sin in this episode, I think, uh, would be... Pride. Pride. There it is. As it would be most episodes, I would assume. Yeah. With home improvement. Yeah, never really sloth. Hmm. No, well, not... A little gluttony. Yeah, a little bit. There's and certainly again, I I've there. I know there's an upcoming episode where Tim has eaten too many nachos and Jill wants to have sex, <laughs> and so then it's both lust and gluttony in yeah. that episode. But that's not this it's, episode. There's definitely lust, but it's never presented as a sin on the show, at least. No, it's not. I I mean, it's presented. Uh, well, I mean, it's presented as certainly a weakness of Tim's. Lust yeah. is what allows Jill to get one over on Tim a lot of times. Yeah, but I also wouldn't put it past Jill to be pretty lustful herself. Well, that with that jacuzzi tub, who needs a man? <laughs> Oh my. Okay, so in this, a very competitive episode of Home Improvement, um, Tim and Jill take the kids bowling for family night. Before they even hit the lanes, Tim and Jill engage in this sort of uh, battle of the sexes, which <laughs> quickly escalates into a cutthroat uh, wager on the, the bowling lanes once they get there, <laughs> where the loser of the game between them has to kiss the other's bowling shoes publicly. Yes. 
<laughs> uh, meanwhile, Brad and Randy uh, only want to play video games, so they sequester themselves in the arcade, where they encounter a bully hellbent on keeping them away from the particular machine that they want to play. It's a very strange type of bullying. It's really... It, he. I've seen a lot of 90s backwards baseball cap bullies in my in my time on television and this is the first one who dedicates all of his bullying efforts to keeping two specific kids from playing an otherwise unattended arcade game in yeah. a public space. That's to, I mean, hey, if that's what your parents' divorce is compelling you to do, if that's how you're working through stuff, then go ahead, well, kids. I mean, let's jump right into this, kid. I mean, there's, I think, a lot to unpack there. I was expecting by the end of this episode for some sort of morality play ending where, like, an abusive father comes in and the kids actually learn that, oh, you know, we should be compassionate towards other people's behaviors and, you know... Uh, that wasn't the case. He you, was you, just a straight-up bully. You setting yourself up for disappointment there, yeah. <laughs> I, admittedly, though, I kind of thought the same thing. Yeah. You've been conditioned by too many very special episodes I guess so, yeah. to think that we were going to learn something from this. Yeah, no. We What did we learn from this? That, uh, that sometimes a dick is just a dick. Yeah. Uh, a song is just a song. <laughs> and a sigh is just a... That's the one. But and more importantly, uh, that you should always carry your extra-long magic handcuffs and yes. silly string with you just in case. <laughs> because that's ultimately how the boys solve their problem. That's true. And maybe we'll Tarantino this uh, and come back, but we should start with the introduction of these handcuffs, which is uh, not the first scene of this episode, but, but it's early first... On. Uh, yeah, first scene back at home. Because the, the show starts out with tool time, yeah. as it seems to have been doing in the last couple episodes. Yes. Uh, Tim and Al kind of set up the theme of competition here. Yeah. Um, they're putting up drywall, and there's two panels side by side. Uh, Tim is, you know, putting the nails in the drywall into the stud behind it. Um, and Al is doing the same thing. It's a race. Yeah, exactly. And as we stated at the beginning of the show, Tim and Al, um, Tim doesn't introduce Al fully. Al interjects his own last name to kind of, you know, stick up for himself. So good on Al. Yeah, I gotta get the, well, gotta get that out there for social media and everything. You can't just, you can't just Google Al. You have to Google Al Borland to find his blog spot and, uh, his SoundCloud page where his spoken word album is. <laughs> That's uh, that's another Al spinoff. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah. yeah, Al's music career. Yeah. Uh, what I'm noticing now that I'm since we're we're almost certainly at the point at which the producers said okay, the, and by the, which I mean the producers of Home Improvement, not mm-hmm. the Phantom producers of Tool Time, right. who who don't seem to care that there's an impromptu drywall hammering race <laughs> right. in the middle of their show. Well, I mean, they had audience members come down unexpectedly in a previous episode i would assume anything that is contained within the two hosts of the show is probably fair game the the, the producers were seeing tim challenging al to the race and like oh my god he's not talking about his family they're actually talking about what people tune into this show for this is brilliant <laughs> the producers of the show i think at this point of home improvement had they finally settled on okay uh richard karn is going to be yes. the guy who plays al and so for for the past few episodes now we've really seen he's used i don't think so tim in every episode yep. he used it here he's they've really developed his character and his kind of slow bo- slow burn look to the camera <clears throat> right and established the fact that everyone who likes tool time really seems to be watching it for al <laughs> yeah right right uh cuz he's got this like quiet confidence to him he's like even though he you know, is played as second fiddle to Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't allow himself to be. I oh, mean, no. he's just like, all right, we'll just people will in time. <laughs> I mean, people already recognize the the gem that is Al, but in time, you know, it'll pan out that bolstered the show that was the stud, if you will. 
<laughs> of the show oh, you. is L. Yeah. Uh, because he's the one that actually finishes the projects and knows what he's doing and knows how to do it properly and has that patience yeah. to actually do it. And eventually, the right woman is going to come along and realize that it was Al all along <laughs> who she was really looking for. How do you how do you think it played out between him and Greta, the the blonde from a few episodes oh, ago? Man, I don't know. I mean, I think they went backstage and he got her a soda. Maybe what well, so what I'm picturing is he got into talking with her. Yeah. This is on my Home Improvement spinoff. Mm-hmm. That is just all of the things Al is doing while all these episodes are going on. He gets backstage with her. She opens her soda. He opens his soda or his can of Miller High Life, and they're drinking and talking. And asking about what she does, yada, 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 she says something about how, I think that the Holocaust was really exaggerated. I just don't think it really happened. But anyway, I love your show so much. And then Al kind of looks to the camera like, an imaginary camera. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, and then like there's a a swastika wipe across the screen. (laughs) God. So I, so, but I think that he, that he broke up with Greta because uh, it's the official stance of grunt work that the Holocaust did happen. Yes. And it was bad. That is very very true. Yes. As much as I love to play devil's advocate, that is not what I'm going for. Don't don't advocate for Hitler, who was pretty <laughs> damn close to the devil. What do you think happened with uh, him and Greta? Did something go wrong? Did something um, go right? I'm going to go a little less sinister. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say uh, that things were going really well, uh, really quickly, and they actually found out that uh, they probably both wanted to wait for marriage before they consummated. It was the 90s. Yeah. And then she found out that he's not Lutheran. <laughs> and uh, That's pretty sinister, dude. <laughs> as much as they, they felt love for one another, uh, she couldn't marry outside the religion. So she had to end it as hard as it was. What religion is Al? The religion of Wilson. Oh, he's a Wilsonian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And yeah, I respect that, that they... Well, I don't know. It's sad that religious differences can tear people apart. Yeah. If he had just taken her to Tim's backyard and let her be ministered to by Wilson, I think she would have come around. <laughs> yeah, same religion. Yeah. And it would have just been... They just would have ridden the bone str- train straight back to his one-bedroom apartment <laughs> and put up some shelves. Yes. <laughs> uh, were we talking about the episode... <laughs> Like this episode that we watched this week? Uh, yeah, we were. We were talking about the competition between yes. uh, Tim and Al. So Al flexes his uh, his skill and his confidence muscles. And, and he, his actual muscles. And his actual... In a minute. <laughs> yeah, and also his fine motor reflexes, because when, when he accepts the challenge, he kind of like kicks his leg up and knocks the hammer out of his holster on his tool belt and catches it in midair. Yeah, it was an impressive little move. There was a lot of fancy kind of tossing things around and throwing them in this episode. Yeah, there was. Yeah, but so he, and they both they both go through and do the they do the nailing, so to speak. Yeah, and <laughs> then Tim finishes first and starts crowing about it, but then his piece of drywall falls right off the thing, straight down to the ground, and yeah, Al's obviously is stayed in there nice and secure. And then and then Al turns to the audience and he clasps his hands and he does that thing that, that people don't really do anymore, except yeah. ironically. But I wish that we could bring this back when people were victorious, <laughs> where he he shakes his his clasped hands to the left of his head and to the right of his head, yeah. and then he flexes yeah. like an old timey bodybuilder, super Hulk, Hulk Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania style. Oh, I was waiting for his shirt to <laughs> bust <laughs> when he did that. And uh, it turns into Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. People don't do that enough. And I, I'm willing to start bringing it back yeah, if you are. Okay. Okay. Well, we have to start winning at things oh, first. Son of a I, bitch. I know that's probably why it why it isn't because anyone anyone who wants to do that is doesn't have the winning spirit. <laughs> that might be the problem. 
<laughs> just once, I would let... Okay, if Meryl Streep wins another Academy Award, and let's be honest, she's probably going to pick up at least one more. I want her to go up there and just do that. Just to the left, yes. to the right. <laughs> not even make a speech, just, just poses. Just do that, yeah. So, that was the first minute of the episode. Yeah. But uh, it sets up the, this competitive spirit yeah. that we will obviously play into here. True. Yeah, and it's, this episode is kind of more, I think, on message with themes than other ones mm-hmm. are. It kind of sets up from the get-go. Everybody everybody is in uh, uh, is in competition with one another. Yeah, and it ends up being, because of that, I feel like uh, less of a hilarious episode and more of a character-building dynamic episode than yeah. the previous stuff. You know, like the uh, Flying Sauces or... Mm-hmm. Um, What's uh, the other one we watched recently? Where it's just, there's less of a, a plot to it and more just, like, them having fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, we get back to the Tim, to the, to the Tim household. To yeah. The Tim family's household. <laughs> where, <clears throat> where Tim Taylor, that's his last name, <laughs> has been handcuffed to the chair or to the end table by Randy. Yeah. As part of some sort of magic trick. Which we we have no context for. He's just it starts with him handcuffed. There's it, no punchline. There's no nothing. Yeah, it's just Randy saying like no one can escape from Randy's magic handcuffs. It's, it's Randy's handcuffs of death. Randy's handcuffs of death. <laughs> you know we've we've made some observations about Randy being a psychopath before, and they just keep coming true. I think. Yeah. Also. Not really a magic trick to handcuff someone to something and then have the handcuffs work as designed and not allow that person to come free. It's like, it's like I've got a magic trick. I push a button on my phone and a car shows up to take me wherever I want to go. Truman's Uber of death. Oh, man. Re- following this handcuff scene, there you could tell the writers and the producers really just trying to hand Jonathan Taylor Thomas a starring role on a platter here because yeah. they like gave him another joke. And it's just, at that point, Ugh. because the first one was so bad and he was so hammy at it, it made this one that much more blatant, like, yeah. of a, a a move on the producer's part to go, yeah. we just, we need to give him more. He's this, you know, trickster, this funny guy that we're going to cultivate. Yeah. And they give him another joke, which was, uh, it started off stupid, but it actually ended up getting me. Yeah. Uh... Do, 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 yeah, you ask me. Do you do the joke to me? Okay. What did uh, What did the moron have for breakfast? I don't know. What did the moron have for breakfast? You had eggs and ham. Oh no! <laughs> oh god! Burn! Oh man, I just got faced. <laughs> uh, yeah, it reminds me. There. Okay, so the, you mentioned earlier Tarantino style. I think just in terms of the way that we're doing that, that we started by talking yeah. about the end and then went back, but. The, what they're doing with Randy reminds me of another Tarantino thing, where in Pulp Fiction, Uma Thurman's character, she'd been on that, right. that show, uh, Fox Force 5, where had it been picked up, every episode she would have told a corny old vaudeville <laughs> joke. I think they're doing that that bit with Randy now. Are you, he... Let me just ask you, are you suggesting that Randy is being nurtured as an assassin? Yes, that is 100%. <laughs> What a, because yeah, look, he's clearly uh, remorseless, uh, cold-hearted, uh, <laughs> ice water in his veins. Uh, he has weird implements of death, like uh, like handcuffs of yep. death. He has, is carrying a shotgun around <laughs> on rollerblades. There, he had a sword in another episode. Yeah. He's killed turtles, and they play a game called Blades of Is it Blades of Death? Or Blade Warriors. Blade Warriors. I, yeah, the, the, I think he's. This could actually be a thing. He's like being trained from an early age. 
I mean, Wilson seems like the likely suspect. Maybe Al. I don't know who's his his assassin protege. Oh, got it. Or the, mentor. Right. Right. Uh, that. Yeah. That. Uh, I'm saying that. That's officially <laughs> right. what I believe. Is that is that Randy his his sociopathic tendencies are being channeled towards a life of taking other people's lives. Okay. An assassin. So. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. that plays into why he leaves at the end of the show. But we'll get there when we get there, and sure. we'll see if he's still an assassin by then. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so the um after the joke they they that's when Jill and Tim start talking about like, oh, it's family night. What are we going to do? I can't remember what Tim suggests, but uh Jill is very much like, "Oh, why don't we stay in and play charades?" which gets us ah! you know, just like they're talking about the opera. Uh, because charades is acting and opera is also a form of acting. Yeah, but Randy likes the acting as we learned last episode. I, I feel like maybe maybe the original line for Jill was, "We could all go to the opera, y'all." <laughs> and they <laughs> And, and and they're like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Just have her suggest something else, but we'll still scream at it. Yeah. What what else do you... I mean, if opera and charades, and I would assume classical music has kind of been yeah, weaved yeah. in there as a little, a little bit as yeah. well, what else is <gasps> worthy? Uh, I don't know. Probably watching anything on public broadcasting. <laughs> Art museums yeah. are, are scream-worthy. DIA is out for them. DIA? The Detroit Institute of Arts. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. How, I... I'm sorry. I know. I know every city's major art museum. I just forgot that one for a second. Uh, probably fine dining, going to like a fancy. Well, no, but Tim went to a fancy restaurant without screaming about it. Yeah, but he is older. The kids, I feel like, would have been. Yeah, we're going to Shea la la. What Shea la la? <laughs> isn't isn't that the isn't that from a isn't that from a Van Morrison song or something? <laughs> well, Van Morrison concert. I bet they'd scream at as well. Do you think so? I feel like Tim. I feel like Tim and Jill probably had their first dance to a Van Morrison song or something yeah. back. Then. I because just with the time I'm thinking were, more of the kids. Than oh, the kids. Yeah, but, okay, the kids uh, wouldn't like it. I I think really anything that Frasier and Niles would be on their way to do in any given episode of Frasier <laughs> would elicit a scream. So funny because I was just thinking book club. Yeah, some sort of book report and. I can easily see Frazier yeah. and Niles going to one of those. Yeah, yeah. It's just that the, Tim and the boys will have an inverse reaction to whatever Frazier and Niles like. I, that's that's just, it's a sort of a seesaw <laughs> between these two 90s sitcoms. You know what's just, uh, not to divert too much here, but something just occurred to me. Because I was thinking, like, if all of these things are what get Randy and the kids to scream, that they might like more stuff that the Roseanne kids do. Uh, but for whatever reason, my mind jumped here that... ABC is Roseanne and, and Home Improvement, and um, they're the, like, blue-collar to middle-class shows, where NBC had Seinfeld and uh, Frasier. Oh, yeah. Which are the more kind of elitist. Yeah. Uh, did you just... <laughs> Truman just held his finger up to his nose. That's and sort of looking the, like he's making a Hitler mustache. Not the Hitler mustache. Just because I said one thing about acknowledging the existence <laughs> of Holocaust denial... I was doing like the, the like the snooty French mater D with a little mustache. Oh, got That's it. Okay. That is. I'm sorry. Please continue. <laughs> that NBC is for is for snooty well, just, it's, I, I haven't ever looked at their content because Friends was on at the time, which yeah. is also a little like yeah, it's New York elitist. Types. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wonder if that was like an audience, or the, a demographic sort of thing. Oh, I think it is. I mean, e- even even now, I mean, you, you look at the shows that were on. I mean, NBC had shows like Thirty Rock, and mm-hmm. that, that was never especially popular, but it was a critical darling. Yeah. They had, uh, man, I'm trying to think of another 
solid example. Like, well, then they, they had Community, which also was something that was really popular with the critics, yeah. and not a lot of... I mean, this was this not... Is, yeah. Middle America didn't really watch that show. The 30 Rock, same deal. Right. The, definitely a different generation, though. Oh, well, yeah, true. Yeah. And, well, I'm, I'm thinking of in terms of what ABC had on kind of at the same time. Uh, Drew Carey Show was oh. also, which is another kind of... Yeah, I uh, like Drew Carey Show. Yeah. yeah, it was white-collar... You know, because they were working in executive offices and stuff, but yeah. it was more drinking beer in Cleveland uh, yeah. after hours. Play, that... Playing pool in the backyard. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. I'd be curious to know more about that. Can I say one one thing, and this is, now we're just talking about a totally different show. I like the Drew Carey show. My one problem with it was it uh, Drew Carey was such a nice dude on the show, it was kind of hard to watch bad things keep happening to him. Yeah. Because unlike on Seinfeld, where where Jerry is, you know, all of them are, are horrible to some degree. <laughs> right. Like, Drew genuinely wants good things for his friends and has a moral compass. And to see him get whiffed again and again yeah. and miss out on great opportunities again and again, it just kind of, it beat me down the way yeah. it beat down Drew. You know, that's another show that's never been widely available since it's uh, stopped showing. Which is weird because Drew Carey and like Ryan Stiles and and all the people who are on that show, I would Spader. yeah, Dietrich, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're still more popular. Nathan I'd Fillion say. was on the show for was a he? bit, I think. Whoa! Unless I'm getting my actors confused, I think he was. Yeah, man, we have to start hey, another podcast again. Let's do a show about Home Improvement. Oh, but that's that's amazing. <laughs> I got. Let's start with the 13th episode, which okay. is called "Up Your Alley" about uh, Tim and Jill going bowling. Dude, why don't we like pick up like maybe like five or six minutes into the episode? <laughs> I think I think that's good. Oh, cool. So they don't waste any time getting to the bowling alley, really. Yeah, yeah. The, about the biggest the biggest thing that happens once they settle on bowling. Well, Tim suggests bowling is what they yeah. should do because there's an arcade there, so the kids can play video games. And <clears throat> and Jill doesn't want to go. Tim insists that they that they go. Challenges her to a bowling competition and says that men are better at this than women because they're stronger. Yeah, he's being. It really took me by surprise considering the last episode where he's like the perfect husband, the perfect father. Uh, trying to coach Jill through the the public speaking fear, yeah. like he doesn't miss a beat in that last episode. <laughs> this one is the exact opposite. He's a dick at every turn. He, he misses L, every beat. Yeah, to L to to Jill when he's suggesting a competition, and she's like, no, and he's like, oh, I get it, because women are you know inferior to men because they're weaker and. Uh, they're weaker, yeah. and also they're weaker. Yeah, yeah here, here are some direct quotes. You can't help that you're a lousy bowler. You're a woman. This elicits from the audience kind of a, whoa. And then, it's not fair for women to compete with men. We're stronger. We throw the ball harder. We're stronger. So we throw the ball harder. <laughs> Which is kind of a funny line. I, I mean, the, and the show, t- to its credit, is, it's not holding Tim up like, yeah, this is what we believe. Right, yeah, guy. no. But it's kind of in your face there exactly they the writers definitely know that they're prodding the bear on this one and um the female bear the, the female bear which is called just a bear i think i don't know what do you call a lady bear know. bears are legitimately my most biggest fear in the world witness and <laughs> speaking of something, my biggest fear in the world is cockroaches and the thing is no one's ever been mauled by a cockroach but so landon has a very legitimate and well well-founded fear uh but so yeah, write to us if you if you know what female bears are called. We just use the internet. No, this is more fun though. Yeah, this you're engages right, you're right. the audience. Yeah, and we're, less work for us. We're not gonna look it up, so you guys have to look it up. <laughs> but please don't send pictures of bears. <laughs> or roaches. Please edit this part out of that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Let's not show them our weaknesses. Um But yeah, so there's this the uh, intentional contentiousness between uh the male female mm-hmm. living dynamic and yeah. you know 
that the writers are are prodding. You know, I, I'm. It doesn't. You know, it is interesting. It doesn't totally feel super misogynistic here, um, but it does feel like a, a loaded topic. Yeah. Well, they're just they're. They're just setting Tim up to be an idiot so they can have... So they're, they're setting Tim up to be a jackass so right. they can have some conflict here, which, I, I mean, you got to make the show. I right, guess. right. And, you know, they wouldn't, I don't think, have done any of this had they written Tim, spoiler alert, to win the competition at the end. <laughs> uh, you know, because that would have just been like... And maybe, maybe there's some alternate reality in which he could have won but learned a lesson, and yeah, uh, you know, the, I don't know, but but that's also that's I think that's the same alternate reality where the bully who's terrorizing the boys uh, turns out to have been abused as a child, and and <laughs> right. we we gain this greater understanding of why people behave the way right, they exactly. do. Right, exactly. That's the hour long drama version of <laughs> uh, Home Improvement. With all this misogyny out of the way, they agree to go to the bowling alley. Yeah. We get a bowling ball transition that just rolls straight into the screen. I love these. Uh, these transitions are really ramping up exponentially per episode. It's like, where do you go from here? We're 13 episodes into season one of eight. It, it, <laughs> I'm scared for what they're going to be like at the end of it. Oh, my God. Season seven, there's an entire episode that's just one transition. <laughs> it's, a tr- it's the transition between the episode before it to the episode after it. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, yeah, but so we, we start this bowling alley scene with Tim and Jill. Um, in a completely new set. Yeah. A whole cherried new set. out brand new set. Yeah. And Mark is with them. Uh, not surprisingly, in a little piece of, I guess, continuity, if you want, uh, where he's left out of Brad and Randy's uh, shenanigans. It's like he's not even interested in playing video games. He doesn't even yeah. try to get, like, they get, like, mom and dad give the kids the money. Oh, yeah, that's it. I that's mean, they're holding back. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, if I was Mark, uh, and I feel like I would have been had I had two older siblings. Oh, yeah. Uh, we both would have been the Mark. Yeah, very much would have actively removed myself from their situations. So yeah. I totally get while he, why he's, uh, why he's there. Living out that only child fantasy. Yeah. I don't know, but not, not a whole lot happens in this, this beginning, um, uh, moment where they, they Tim and Jill are playing for the first time. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, just Tim is, Tim is bowling and is, you know, we're not, we don't see the ball striking. We see them roll towards the camera, but yeah, t- you know, it's clear that Tim is not doing very well despite yeah. his bravado. And it's clear that Jill, in spite of her girly bowling techniques is doing quite well. Yeah. Uh, and- I, I had a moment when he threw that first ball I, I typed out the sentence, uh, that was totally a gutter ball. <laughs> and then after I finished writing the last L in ball, Jill said, gutter! <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, just a little bit of background on myself. I was uh, in a bowling league for about eight years. That is uh, the most Michigan thing I've ever heard. <laughs> You're fulfilling so many Midwestern stereotypes. Uh, how, do, how did you... So so tell me about this. Were you, were you good? Um... I wasn't great, but what was your top score? Um, I think somewhere like two hundred one to two hundred six, somewhere in there, was uh, was my top. But I that was an, an outlying score. But I did average around one seventy uh, during my tenure. It's good. Do you, you want to know what my top bowling score is? What seventy one. Nice. I, I am not. No, I am not good at bowling. I have never been good ever you're, in my life. Your team, Jill, in which you go to have fun. Uh, I have, I've never enjoyed bowling because bowling alleys are, 
the bowling alley on this show is remarkably quiet yes. to the to the degree that at one point some nearby bowlers, the the cooking construction workers, yeah, from a the K and B construction, they, yeah, they show up as a big surprise. I think yeah. even determined and I, yeah, while watching the episode, I, I was shocked to see them, and we'll get into them in a sec. But yeah. they're at one point they're fiddling with like the Velcro on their on their wrist braces as Tim is lining up to bowl, and yeah. it's really distracting to Tim. And it's like I've never been to a bowling alley where I where where the noise of Velcro is going to upset me. It's going to be them blasting "Call yeah. Me Maybe" at at a million decibels, and like, just, I, I that actually really divides our generational gap. In that every time I have gone bowling, it's been the Jock Jams soundtrack. <laughs> I've never heard "Call Me Maybe." <laughs> I mean, that's the first. That's the the first song that came to mind. It, yeah. it, but if I were to go back, I oh and. Okay, well, on prom night we went bowling afterwards because that's what you did in the town that I'm from, and and I'd also been ditched by my prom date at that point, so not a lot of me great... too. Oh man, okay, sad prom five. That's the sound of two people uh, uh, bonding over horrible things that have happened. It was the sound of a high five. And yes, yes. <laughs> but I I went bowling there and it was like there were pl- it was a it was disco bowling or cosmic bowling. So there's laser oh, lights yeah, yeah. and there, I I remember the song Cotton Eyed Joe blasting mm-hmm. at one point. And I, yeah, that's a jock jam. Nothing about the environment of a bowling alley is really good for me. <laughs> I'm very germaphobic, so I don't like putting on someone else's shoes. I don't like touching a ball that yeah. is just slimy. Do what you will with. I'm sorry you had to clip. touch my hand in that high five. That I, I am sweating like a hog here. You know, Landon, I'm going to say I know f- that you have not been touched by like six million other people in the past <laughs> day, and I'm not trying you to. Don't know me. I. <laughs> I guess I really don't. Uh, if you got any Purell in here. Um, anyway, point is, I don't like bowling. Yeah. Whenever I do it, it's a bad experience for me. I wish I could go to a bowling alley where the only other people there are some cooking-loving uh, construction workers and Tim and his wife and one weird bully. Yeah. Yeah. I actually wrote a note at one point. Does this bowling alley only have two lanes? It, it felt like these small. It felt like the presidential bowling lane. I'm so I'm so glad that you made the White House bowling alley joke, so I didn't have to. Yeah, it really was. There was no one else there. Not even like a lot of staff. Really, there's yeah. occasionally someone moving in the background. Yeah, let's let's go to the arcade for a yeah, second. Yeah, let's 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 stroll to the arcade. You guys so, wait here. We're gonna play some Galaga. <laughs> uh, yeah, Brad and Randy uh, go to the arcade, which was yet yeah, a second set within the set. I know they splashed out. Big time chatter yeah. on this episode. They must have like got their full season pickup uh, by yeah. this point. And they're like, okay, we got some money to play with. Let's start building some more sets. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, Randy is like super good at video games and he's going to beat this high score on this machine. Uh, and, and Brad, interestingly, is not even... Is Brad even going to play with him or is Brad just his hype man? Is Brad I just Brad's excited? Just kinda, I mean, Randy has brainwashed him at this point into being <laughs> his hype man, as you said. Uh, he's... He, you know, as it plays out in this scene, Brad, uh, Brad is the brawn, Randy is the brains. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> because as Randy is about to take the, the high score finally, he uh, is bullied. The uh, Q, Q bully number one. Yeah. Nameless bully. Uh, backward cap bully. Was his, like, was his name Doug or something? Or did they even say his name? I don't think we ever name. got to his name. Backwards cap bully yeah. is is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so this kid who's a couple inches taller than they are and yeah. a couple years older. I comes, guess 13 maybe? Yeah, that sounds about right. That's the kind of age at which this is the sort of thing that you're doing. Yeah, he's got like a half a foot on Brad. Yeah. but So this kid holds the high score on the arcade machine. Which I, I couldn't remember the name of it. It was some weird... Oh, Galaxis? Off, yeah, I thought it was with a Z. Is that... 
Oh man, Zang Zangalix. <laughs> I can keep just saying gibberish into the mic until Let's we get. Let's go it. back to whatever uh, alien names they came up with in flying sauces that were all Z. Yeah, Xandar. Zordon and no, Xandar's the planet from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> That's nowhere. Oh, true. Wait, no, Xandar is uh, the one from Guardians of the Galaxy with uh, yeah. 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 Well, Xandar is the main planet. And then what? But nowhere is the is the big the celestial head yeah. that's floating in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> man, why didn't why didn't our dates the prom ditch us? Man, how could anyone not want to be a part of this? This plus bowling. <laughs> What's not to love? Oh my god! <sighs> just a couple of just a couple of Al Borlands here. <sighs> so the backwards cap bully is really really territorial about this one arcade machine. Yeah. No one is allowed to touch this arcade machine, yep. which is in a public space. Well, he, he has the high score on it. Yes, he has the high score on it, yes. But no one else is allowed to play on it because he has so little confidence in being able to uphold his score. Also, mm -hmm. he keeps saying, "No, nobody touch it, no one's allowed to touch it, don't touch my machine, nerds. And then he will keep leaving the arcade to go, where? What else is he doing? This is the arcade. Is he, go is he also <laughs> bowling? Has he got a league? Is he going to the snack bar? He's going out back for a smoke. I guess that would be, that would be his move. <laughs> he's, just, he's just super high yeah. this entire time. <laughs> but, but he, yeah, he, his whole thing is just, don't touch this machine. Yeah. And honestly, I've got to say, for how for how feisty Randy has been, how w willing he is to to call out his dad to his face, to like handcuff his mm -hmm. dad to the thing, to want to spray silly string on his dad, to to calling his dad a moron or whatever. When this bully comes up and is trying to tell him not to play this video game, Randy folds like a AAA map. He does, but you know, he ends up. I actually wrote a note here that he ends up playing this a lot like Jill initially, where, you know, I feel like Tim would have been very much like, okay, we're going to get, this is me punching my fist into my hand. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it sounds like something else. It's very intimidating. <laughs> um, you know, Tim would be very much, we need to get back where Jill is like, no, we need to have compassion. We need to just like obviously something else is going on here let's just hang back and let him have his thing that doesn't end up being how it ends up being played out yeah uh, because when you are a sociopath you, <laughs> you you make your own rules yeah exactly i i, I made the same the exact same note that in this in this scene uh brad is tim and randy is jill yeah because right? because randy is just kind of wanting to it, despite all of his earlier bravado when he's around the house he he doesn't want to start a thing he just wants to back off and let it be and brad wants to fight even though when he tries to at one point he yeah. gets his butt kicked in a very network tv primetime friendly way <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yes he does and uh that you know as i said earlier brad is the brawn randy is the brains and at a certain point randy's like no, you you know what? Forget Jill. Forget mom. Forget dad. Braun isn't going to work because he's bigger than you. He's always going to be bigger than you. And we're not just going to let him walk away the way that mom would. We're going to get back to him. Yeah. And I got a plan. <laughs> and his little schemey little brain starts uh, starts winding up this uh, this little yarn. And and in that moment, Randy goes from being the brains to being the wild card. <laughs> That's right. So, do you want to just talk about what they what they do? Now, do you want to just cover the beat? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, first, let me say this is why I think that I expected there to be some sort of morality twist at the end because it maybe it's just me, but it it was so apparent to me that the kid was so protective of his high score, 
in a sort of my dad doesn't love me will never put my art on the refrigerator sort of way this is my yeah way of approval of the world. This is all I have. Yeah, exactly. It's um, like George in that Seinfeld episode. It's his Frogger score. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Except George doesn't sit around by the Frogger machine in that pizza place making people stay away from it. He just lets the <laughs> chips fall where they may. That's true, yeah. So, but also George wasn't abused. We're just assuming the kid was abused. Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> George's parents, maybe, there is a certain <laughs> amount of emotional abuse that went Emotional there. abuse, yeah, yes. Yeah, he turned out that way for a reason. Uh, I, I've derailed on that thought. Uh, oh, no, man, I'm here. sorry. No, that's no, right. So they they come up with this plan to, to get back at the kid. They enlist Mark in their reindeer games. So Mark stands watch while they play with the arcade machine. And then uh, Mark yells out, oh, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. So Mark goes and hides behind some other machines. And then they lure uh, the backwards cap bully over to the uh, Xandar Nowhere machine. Uh, they challenge him or something about it, and they he, he, they get him close to the machine. And then Randy pulls out his, his handcuffs, which are, mind you, the chain on these are pretty damn At long. At least like a foot long. Yeah, not not just like the standard ones that, that you'd see, you yeah. know, if you're into that sort of thing. Not judging. But, <laughs> but so he has attached one end of it to the machine, and then he attaches the other bracelet to the backwards cat bully's wrist, and then he's stuck there, and he's like, oh, no, oh, God, and then Mark runs out with these two cans of Silly String that they'd had earlier, and they spray him down with... So he's got two cans of Silly String, which he hands to Randy and Brad, and Randy and Brad spray Silly String on him, and Mark, if you're watching in that scene, just kind of dances. He's just kind of, like, pointing (laughs) to the kid and, like, jumping around. It was like, everybody, you know, props didn't get a third can of Silly String, Mark, so I guess this is what you do in this episode. Well, they need to have a, uh, what do you call him, a... uh... Uncorrupted witness, or I mean, oh. uncorrupted, what do you call it? Oh, uh, well, someone with plausible deniability. That's the word that's, I was looking for. Yeah, they needed someone with plausible deniability. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Have you have you remembered yet the thing that I distracted from with my Seinfeld references? Yeah, it was the end of the scene. Oh, it was the end of the scene. Okay, <laughs> good. Well, let me let me call one more thing into question. Okay, yeah. man. Let me poke one more yeah, hole yeah. In, in the logic here. So the problem at hand. Backwards Cap Bully, the, the whole night, all these kids want to do, all Brad and Randy want to do, is play this video game. Backwards Cap Bully is saying, no, this game is mine. You stay away from my game. This is my game. Only I can play this game. They get back at Backwards Cap Bully by handcuffing him to the game so that he will always be... I mean, they can't play the game now. <laughs> now the kid is stuck to the... Th- they've essentially True. given... And no one else is going to play the game so long as this this kid is handcuffed to it. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. It's like it's like if someone blocks your driveway and you go out there and slash their tires. It's like, well, okay, now it's harder to move the car that's blocking your driveway. <laughs> I get it. I, I think it's the the public humiliation that comes along with it because that also plays into the Tim and Jill yes uh, a story, if you will. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but as you said earlier, there's no one else in this establishment for the public humiliation. To yeah. have an effect on this kid. Yeah, there's like a couple other kids playing games, but I think even they're gone by the time the Silly yeah. String thing happens. Yeah, at the Silly String uh, scene, there is zero other kids except the main characters here. And also, getting cu- I've been shot with Silly String before. It's not really that bad of an experience. It's no. almost kind of silly. Yeah. Yeah. Hence the name. Oh, you think that's where... I thought it was because it was invented by Gustav G. Silly, but <laughs> the, the, the famous toy and prank maker. And former Nazi. Well, yes, yes. <laughs> Although he did acknowledge the Holocaust, so he's a lot better than that floozy who Al was trying to date. <laughs> uh, should we, well, let's get back to Tim and Jill. How mm-hmm. how how does how do things shake out for those those two? Oh well, so the progression of their little competition is interesting, and it's it's bolstered even more when the K and B construction guys appear <laughs> because now Tim 
has to prove himself in front of other men. Yes. Um, the way that this kind of comes forth is that, uh, the, so we should say that the wager between Tim and Jill hasn't actually been made yet. Yeah. It's once, um, once the K&B construction guys come up and they're like, ooh, we, we're going to be bowling next to a celebrity, and Tim's pride goes up, Tim, uh, and Jill becomes like, well, you want to make it interesting. Uh, how about, uh, the loser has to kiss, and everyone, there's like this little pause for suspense and excitement. And he's holding the ball up. <laughs> and I actually did, for a second there, think he was going to say each other's bowling ball, uh, because how does that equate to Jill if Jill won? Yeah. There's no, no ball, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and anyhow, uh... But uh, ends up being, we have to kiss each other's shoes, bowling shoes. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Once the, the K&B construction guys are like uh, the peanut gallery in this yeah. whole exchange, they're like, oh. Yeah. And then they say publicly, they're like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. And which, the, the like, the dynamic there, like, why were they uh, justifying everything <laughs> against the K&B construction guys was a little weird to me. And also, just why are the K&B construction guys so excited to see someone kiss some shoes? Like, what what fetishes do they have? I'm, well, I guess if the internet wasn't around at the time, they probably couldn't couldn't get the sort of things that they're looking for. Yeah, that's true. And they have a whole, they have a, a fourth, the K&B construction guys have a fourth member yeah. Uh, yeah. named uh, Lewis. Ernie Hudson, basically. Like, their equivalent of him in Ghostbusters. Yeah, actually, his name's Roger. It's played by a guy named Lewis. He was introduced in a way that felt like we should have already have been introduced to mm -hmm. him. There wasn't a big intro to do about it, but... Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you have about the KMB guys? I Just the biggest thing for me is that as soon as I saw them, I thought, oh, great, these are the guys who are doing all kinds of throwing stuff around and circusy-type tricks and, and sight gags and visuals when they were on the cooking show. They, these right. are the guys who are throwing food to each other and catching it and doing acrobatics and Harlem Globetrotters <laughs> yeah. stuff. And I'm thinking, great. There's bowling balls. We're gonna have some fun, and instead, it's mostly. I mean, they do good bits. They're they're you know having having fun with Tim and Jill. But there's save for an outtake that we see at the end in the credits. They don't really do any of that kind of high high flying right. circus stuff. Yeah, they're there for a league uh, competition. Yeah, a league game, which um, apparently is just a two team league. Considering the bowling alley doesn't have more than two lanes, well, that's a league game, Smokey. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, I was yeah, I was expecting a little more out of them as well. Something like applying their construction ideas to bowling, yeah. <laughs> after like uh, applying it to cooking, or or at least maybe they're eating something. Yeah. Maybe because so, when they come in, Tim says, "Oh, it's the Canby Construction guys. They did right. the cooking thing on our show." So in in the in the end bit in the little credits section when, when they first the walk, outtake at the end yeah in the outtake yeah. like the the can be guys first arrive when Tim is all lined up he's about to bowl and they go ah Tim yeah don't and, don't talk in your backswing sort of moment yeah yeah they distract him and he and he stops yeah so the outtake that they show at the end is them walking in as Tim is lining up to throw and they say something to him and he's distracted and he winds up tossing the ball backwards behind him. Which I've done. Yeah. <laughs> not not to this extent. Yeah, but. yeah. And it did, probably didn't turn out the way this did. Because no. it flies backwards and they show this in slow motion yeah. because how good of a trick it is. The ball flies backwards. One of the K&B guys catches it out of the air and like... Do, like passes it around behind his back between his hands a couple yeah, times. Very globetrottery. Yeah, and then like tosses it to Tim or <laughs> yeah. something. And it, I, I think, I believe they might not have been using a real bowling ball for that. It might have been a clever bit of Hollywood magic. I 
am not ashamed to admit that I was tricked by that. Initially, the when he first threw that ball back, I should have been like, wow, that heavy 16-pound ball flew <laughs> for uh, for what it is. But then as they started juggling it around, I'm like, that's not a real ball. <laughs> ah, you guys. You got me. Buena Vista Home Entertainment. <laughs> um, but there's a moment here when... Uh, they they start to become enamored. The KMB constructed guys become enamored with uh, Jill winning and her method for uh, bowling. Yeah, and Dwayne and Pete, the long bearded guy and the short mustache guy, uh, quit doing the Hitler mustache. <laughs> it's not a Hitler mustache. It's just a mustache. Lots of people have had mustaches. Uh, they're asking her uh, um, to kind of walk them through her her approach, and she. You know, takes it through them very slowly. She gives us uh, the the ashes to ashes. They all fall down as her like rhythm to mm-hmm. step up to the lane, and then she does this little dance as she's moving backwards. And uh, uh, they're both with her, but then Dwayne realizes, oh, this isn't a manly thing to do. But yeah. Pete goes into it. As soon as she's done, Dwayne goes, "You're making yourself look like a fool." And they <laughs> have this little exchange, which they also had on the the uh, Flying Sauces episode, yeah. where there's just this little, like, uh, henpecking each other. Yeah. Which made me wonder, are they, do you think they might be in a relationship? God, I hope they are. I mean, it would kind of, again, not to stereotype that being into cooking is an exclusively gay thing, but I'm just saying, I, I like this idea of a bunch of construction workers who kind of maybe all got to know each other because they were the only gay guys on the job site. And it's also like, hey, we all like cooking. Why don't we incorporate that? Hey, why don't we start a bowling league with that other gay guy <laughs> well, who wasn't there before? Not to not to bolster stereotypes, but their outfits are pink. Yeah, you know what? And hey, you know what? I've heard it said that real men wear pink, but I've also heard it said that gay men wear pink. So maybe just men can wear pink, Mary- but sometimes... Yeah, because I don't necessarily get the sense that Rock, who's the kind of leader of the K&B guys... Uh, that he's gay. It's just that there seems to be some sort of additional chemistry happening between Dwayne and Pete. (gasps) So either Dwayne and Pete are hiding it from Rock, or Rock knows and doesn't quite understand it or get it, but is just like, well, they're good cooks and good (laughs) construction workers. I'm not gay, I just like cooking and construction. (laughs) Or maybe he does get it, and he's very supportive. Yeah, you know, it's it's the 90s, but there were pockets of of cool-ass folks. Maybe... All right, here's my thought. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe Rock knows that Pete is gay, but not Dwayne. Maybe he doesn't know that they're in a relationship, and that's why he's brought Roger, this new fourth guy in, who's also gay, to set up Pete. And they have their own little sitcom going on over on their lane where there's this, like, comedy of errors happening. And that sitcom is called Gutterballs. <laughs> and, that, and that sitcom is called Strikeout. Wait, no, that's baseball. And that sitcom is called Spares. And that sitcom is called Turkeys. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so in the end, I don't think it would come as a shock to anyone that Jill wins. Jill ends up winning, yeah. So Tim Tim bowls his final ball, and he yeah. hits the strike, and he starts dancing like he won, but this buzzer goes off. Yeah, the foul line buzzer. Okay, is that an actual... I've never once oh, yeah. been to a bowling alley where there's a buzzer that goes off when you cross the foul line. It's definitely, like, old older school. Um, usually, and now that it's all, you know, you've got the computer screens up top. Because sure. they were doing, like, the, the scoring by yeah, hand. Yeah. Pencils and uh, little mini golf pencils. And, uh, yeah, back in the day, there was just, just like, a little... Um, on uh, where the the ball return yeah. thing goes from the pins back down to the thing. Yeah. Um, there was a red uh, dot 
sensor on mm-hmm. all the lanes that if your foot cross it, then it would light up red and go, just like it did on this episode. Now I would assume that it would all be, uh, you know, shown on the computer screen of sure. above. Well, so in The Big Lebowski, when Smokey uh, is bowling with the guys in that league game and his toe is over the line, there's no buzzer and there's this whole dispute because there's no system like that in place to catch that sort of thing. Well, and then that leads to Walter pulling a gun on a guy and all this. All hmm. this. I, I'm just, I, I've, I was not aware that this yeah. technology existed then, but doesn't seem to have existed at any bowling alley I've been to. That's, well, it is that's bizarre. I, every bowling alley that I've been to has had it. Uh Though there is an eight-year gap between this episode and The Big Lebowski, or six-year gap. The Big Lebowski was set in 1991. You burnt! Was it really? No, yeah, legit was. It's set during Desert Storm. I feel like, you know what, Landon, let's stop the podcast. I think you, (laughs) I get the impression that you haven't seen The Big Lebowski 45 times like I have, so we need to to watch it at least 41 times. I've seen it three times, I think. You gotta get those numbers up, pal. (laughs) Um, So Jill wins, Tim... Uh, she she graciously allows Tim to simply nuzzle and pillow talk to her shoes instead of kissing them. It seemed like a, a harsher uh, punishment, to be perfectly honest. I would have rather just, like, quickly kissed it and been done, as opposed to nuzzling and saying, you're the best bowler there is. I would have... Seems th- a little more demeaning. Uh, yes, but your mouth is an orifice through which germs can gain access to your body, whereas your cheek can be washed off. And your pride it means nothing, as we've both learned. Well, we don't have to open-mouth kiss the shoes. <laughs> oh, oh, you have to open-mouth kiss the shoes, Landon. <laughs> you you go big or you go home. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like she was asking him to do a, a shoe... What are, what, was it, what are those things called where you have to drink uh, all the beer out of a shoe? Uh, Patrick Stewart just did one. He was in the news for it. Wow, wow I didn't... I the, the Shoe shotgun something? I can't remember the name of it. This is weird. I feel like there's so much about the world that I didn't know about. Like, foul buzzers at bowling alleys, shoe-oriented drinking challenges. What have I missed in my life? Well, I was watching The Big Lebowski. You were out having these experiences. Um, I I can't say I've ever actually done one, you, but uh, you haven't you haven't drank Bailey's out of a shoe, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. So Jill wins. Yep. And they return home. And oh yeah, well, and right after right after they win, she says, "Oh, this is the best day of my life. Nothing could ruin this." And then finally, a staff member from this bowling alley comes right. over with Brad, Randy, and Mark, saying, "Ah, these these naughty boys." <laughs> yeah, and and what we can only assume was from uh, episode three, the offsides episode, or. Uh, uh, fine dining episode yes. where they, they stole the nose from the clown yeah. at the pizza uh, pizzeria. So, I'm sure pe- this isn't their first rodeo being carried by the owner of yeah. the establishment back to their parents. <laughs> They've been thrown out of every family friendly establishment in town. Yeah. They've been deep sixed from from every place. <laughs> this is uh, we also get our first boom shot. Oh, <laughs> we see a, a boom mic accidentally at the top of one of the shots, and it was quick. And I love that we both caught it at yeah. the same time. <laughs> I uh, that, that that made me feel good. Yeah. We know, we know what to, we've edited enough video in our times that we know right. that the top of the screen is the danger zone. Uh, so then all that's left is for them to return home mm-hmm. and send the boys upstairs to bed. Uh, Tim reminds them that, well, now that kid who you handcuffed to the machine is free and he's still angry at you and he's still bigger than you, which is a very sort of Oz prison type logic to yeah. throw at these kids like, oh, you better watch your back. Carve, carve a hairbrush into a shiv and keep it in your backpack <laughs> on the way to school. I guess there there is some sort of consequences to be taught, or taught that con- uh, actions have consequences, that, you know, you may have gotten back at him, but that doesn't mean it's over. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that Tim is doing the best parenting there, but... Uh, <laughs> 
I think doing doing better parenting would be checking in on your kids in the arcade occasionally instead of just trying to beat your wife and grandstand for fans of your TV show. Yeah, right. Uh, but then the scene kind of culminates with the kids going up to bed and Tim and Jill putting all of their competitiveness behind them uh, by having a silly string fight. During which, and this doesn't really count as a transition, but a bunch of uh, CG or composite silly string hits the camera, and then we get the executive producer's names. <laughs> That's right. And I think I think a lot of movies could benefit from ending uh, with silly string hitting the camera. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we haven't touched on in this episode? Yes, there is one thing that we haven't hit me with on. it, uh, but not too hard. Well, okay. Well, I'll hit, I'll hit you with. Seven, count them, seven grunts. Oh, yes. Uh, which are, almost all of them come from Tim's initial bowling technique, which is to kind of creep towards the lane going, rrr, rrr, rrr. I will say, not to interrupt no, you no. there, but both Tim and Jill did display uh, pretty adequate bowling form. Okay. That's they, I mean, I, it always strikes me when people are thrown, actors are thrown into situations that they don't actually know how to do the thing that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh my God, Shelley Duvall smoking in The Shining drives me nuts. <laughs> but that's not how, that's not, well, the way she kind of like, had, she, <laughs> she moves her lips towards the cigarette. It's that and the way that she's holding the cigarette. No one ever holds the cigarette at like, right, it doesn't matter. But they both had pretty adequate uh, bowling form. The only hindrance seemed to be that it was a shortened alley. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming for, you know, television purposes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it is like a, the the lead up to the lane itself um, is, I don't know, probably about three feet shorter than it should be. It would not surprise me in the slightest if Tim Allen has a long history of bowling and being in bowling leagues. <laughs> I Because because I, I now just assume everyone from Michigan does that. And also Patricia <laughs> Richardson, I mean, I could... I could see her also having a history yeah. of bowling. I mean, the time when those those two actors grew up was when yeah, bowling was, was a bigger thing. Just about to say, it's probably a generational thing because even yeah. my parents were both big bowlers uh, yeah. when they were younger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt the grunt count. Seven seems pretty uh, low. I mean, is that yeah. our lowest yet? No, it's not our. L- I think I think there have been episodes with five. Yeah, or so. yeah, you're right. But so yeah, you know that's that's about fair. But it takes our series grunt count to two hundred and thirty three. Oh, okay. That's a respectable amount. The and the one other comment that I think this episode needs is that over the ending credits, when we see that that uh, that <clears throat> bowling trick shot that they took out of the episode, <laughs> right. the song that plays, they play a lot of covers of the Tool Time theme, which is uh, coincidentally the grunt work theme. <laughs> they play a lot of covers of that over the end credits. But this one, this episode was like a, a Dick Dale style surf yeah. guitar cover. It's like, <laughs> and I, I kind of, I kind of liked it. I wanted to grab it. Yeah. Well, we, we haven't uh, t- discussed much about uh, the, the theme song, which is Dan Foley art does. Uh, yeah. He does all the music and he's doing the, the variations on all these different episodes, the pan flute one that we saw <laughs> in the episode or two ago. Uh, this one, which was the Dick Dale version. Yeah. Uh, it seems like it would be kind of a fun, fun, task if you're doing the music thing is just like instead of just doing the same iteration of the song over and over and over again you're you're given the the kind of playful freedom to infuse different styles into it yeah i can't wait for the heavy metal version i'm looking forward to the uh, insane clown posse cover (laughs) and then uh and then the orchestral cover (laughs) yes reggae reggae i think that's all i got all right that's all i got too uh if you want to read uh, the show notes, keep up with our tallies, our grunt counts, all that sort of stuff, um, you can find all that information at our website, which is gruntworkpodcast.com. 
Um, you can also email us with any longer questions uh, that you can't fit into a comment um, at our email address, which is info, I-N-F-O, at gruntworkpodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, the middle of the street, our... Or don't. Stay on the sidewalk, at least, guys. I mean, <laughs> yeah, look out for your safe. own... Yeah. Um, or don't follow us. <laughs> our uh, avatar... Avatar? Our handle, our... Our, our avatars are both six feet tall and blue uh, <laughs> on another planet. It takes a long time to get there. <laughs> uh, it's Grunt Work Pod. Not the podcast. Not full podcast, but Grunt Work Pod. Um, and you can follow us there. And then also, if you are listening to this at iTunes or SoundCloud, Stitcher, anywhere, um, leave us a comment, review, rating. Uh, that really helps people find us. And most importantly of all, share us with uh, anyone on your social media channels. Also, most importantly, just love each other. Just get out there and just, you know, just love the people around you. Call your parents. Tell them what they mean to you. you it know. is Father's Day today. It is Father's Day. It's also my mother's birthday today. So. Oh, my God. But That's a conflicting... Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a thing. <laughs> it's kind of a lot of pressure on one kid. <laughs> but I manage. Uh, at least you have brothers to share the responsibility with. Yeah, yeah, we all shoulder that burden together. <laughs> uh, Landon, yeah. do you know what time it is? Time to hit the lanes. That's relevant. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>